Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic today. Is January 11th, 2017. My name, of course, is Phil Prosman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and we have a fun ga- fun show for you today, or at least a, a seriously, serious-minded, future-looking show today on the Locked On Magic podcast. Of course, it is a game day once again. Been a while since we had one of those. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But the Orlando Magic are still in L.A., and they're taking on the L.A. Clippers tonight. At the Staples Center, we'll have a complete preview of that game tipping off at 10.30 p.m. tonight, Wednesday night uh, there. Uh, I'll also be talking, like I said, a little bit about the future of the Magic. Uh, I think Sunday was a, a big kind of, uh, you know, it got it got Twitter going a little bit. It got me going a little bit, admittedly, and, and we're thinking about some big picture things, especially as we near the midpoint of the season. I guess now is the time to talk about the midpoint of the season. We're at game 39, or uh, we're 39 games in. Wednesday's game 40, Friday in Portland's game 41, and then uh, Saturday against uh, against Utah will be game 42 and officially the second half of the season. We'll talk about that as well as who I think is probably the key member of the Magic moving forward and someone that the Magic need to continue to nurture and develop, rightly or wrongly, the way they're doing it. But we'll talk about him on today's episode, and that's called a tease. Uh, I've been a tease, tease lately, so I'm going to keep teasing everybody. Before we get going, though, I do want to say a quick word from our good pals at SeatGeek. The NBA season is in full swing, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There is nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it has never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, the upper level, the Ozone, hanging out in Stuff's Castle... Um, trust me, I've been there. It's cool. Uh, uh, don't tell the adults in the room. Uh, no, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, 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 now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, the Bud the Bud Bud Light base baseline bar though. You don't need a ticket. You just need a ticket for that. You don't need to actually sit anywhere for that. Wherever you want to sit in the Amway Center, SeatGeek is the place for you. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy in SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. A lot of great events coming to the Orlando area in the very, very near future. Orlando City opening up their new stadium. That's going to be the first weekend of March. I think it's March 5th um, that they'll have their first game at the new yet-to-be-named Orlando City Stadium. NCAA Tournament is making its way to, to the Amway Center in March. 
WrestleMania is going to be here on a- be here in April. Raw, SmackDown. I mean, WWE's taking over the Amway Center that entire weekend. Not to mention, this this little team called the Golden State Warriors will be in town one week from Sunday for a 12 o'clock tip-off. I can, I can guarantee you that's going to sell out. So your best bet for tickets is probably going to be SeatGeek. But here's the best part. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do to get the rebate. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC. That's LOMAGIC. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. That was a long-winded way to get into things. And, and another quick announcement, if, if you have not heard, I'll, I'll go ahead and promote this. The Orlando Magic are looking for a new name for their Lakeland D-League team, and they've announced a contest to name the team. If you're with, if you're within 50 miles of Lakeland, I believe that does include the Orlando area as well. At this 50 or 75 miles, I forget. Um, go to orlandomagic.com for the details on that. But the name, the team contest, is officially on for the Lakeland D-League team that will start play next next year uh, and be affiliated with the Magic. My vote, if I if I were going to enter a team name, would be the Lakeland Pub Subs, you know, in honor of Lakeland's greatest contribution to society, Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Please give me free subs or chicken tenders. Uh, having said all that, let's get let's get down to business for real now. Uh, we've, we've we've cleared we've cleared the ads, both paid and free, on the on the on the podcast here. So let's get down to bound to business to business to business against the Los Angeles Clip, the LA Clippers. Um, and obviously going to be a very very difficult game. The Clippers are still one of the best teams in the league. Yes, Blake Griffin is out. Yes, they've had some other nagging minor injury issues, but this team as we saw when they came down to Orlando and did a really good job closing that game out in the fourth quarter. They were clearly the better team. Orlando was chasing them. They played them tough for three quarters, but could not finish the deal in the fourth. This is a very strong Clippers team. Chris Paul is playing at his at, at some of his best basketball in, in a very, very long time. He has uh, uh, really upped his assist numbers, especially. His assist numbers are through the roof right now, uh, and that has made the... Uh, Clippers again a dangerous team. They're fifth in the league in net rating, and that's the that's offensive rating minus defensive rating. Essentially, points per 100 possessions minus points allowed per 100 possessions. So they're ahead of teams by 5.3 points per points per 100 possessions on average per game. This is a a, a measure that a lot of uh, analytics people and you know and this is very basic statistics. This isn't even really analytics, but. This is this is a number that that stats people use to say okay this is how we define the good teams by net rating um, it's it's a much better indicator of how strong a team is uh, over how good a te- how strong a team is uh, compared to their record or raw points per game points allowed per game it it, it and, and ends up shaking out the right way but you know your top five are Golden State San Antonio Toronto Houston L A Clippers Cleveland sixth Utah seven you know these are Really, the cream of the crop. Those are the only, and then there's a big drop off actually after Utah at seven. The Clippers are sitting at fifth. They've withstood injuries. Their offense is still absolutely killer. Their 108, 108.8 offensive rating is sixth in the league. Their 103.5 defensive rating is sixth in the league. Typically, if you're going to win a championship, you got to have a top 10 defense and a top 10 offense. And, you know, while I think no one's going to go out and say the Clippers are going to win a championship tomorrow or this season, um, 
they are playing a very high level of basketball uh, and certainly should be in that second tier of contenders in the Western Conference. This goes even with the injury to Blake Griffin right now. They are still playing some very good basketball. Chris Paul has stepped up in a big way. We saw in the first meeting against the Clippers earlier this year, Austin Rivers stepping up, making some big shots. He hit, I think, five threes in that game, five or six threes in that game. He played a very, very strong game for the, for the Clippers that, that night, uh, torched the magic, uh, and that was a, uh, a big big boost to that team, especially in that fourth quarter, helped them help them win that game. He has continued to play very, very well. I mean, I think he shed the label from his rookie year when he was not considered a very good player. He's shed that label and become a very strong player, a part of that rotation, a very deep Clippers rotation, actually. They've played some extraordinarily good basketball uh, up and down the roster. I mean, you take a look at their... Um, you take a look at their... Uh, players that are on the roster and how they've done, uh, you know, sorting by by points per game. You obviously have uh, have you know Blake Griffin who's out. Chris Paul's played well. JJ Redick's playing really well. Jamal Jamal Crawford's playing well off the bench. We know what DeAndre Jordan can do defensively. He made his free throws against the Magic in the first meeting. Austin Rivers is at ten point eight points per game. Then they have a bunch of guys that just fill roles. Raymond Felton has seemingly bounced back and he'll have good games, he'll have bad games, but he had a, he had a really good game Sunday in the matinee against Miami. As as uh, the Clippers torched the Heat without without both Blake Griffin and Austin Rivers, Lukamba Mute is a defense is a defensive juggernaut. And he's been really really good. Mo Spates, Mo buckets off the bench. Maurice Spates has also been streaky like he usually is, but very very strong too. This is a Clippers team that does and will uh, dominate teams. Uh, you know they they will they they kind of pass you to death. They keep coming at you offensively, uh, and they're not going to be an easy out for the Magic. The Magic are going to have to be very very sharp. To get a win on uh, on Wednesday night, um, certainly it's possible. They, I mean, I'm not going to put it past this Magic team to win any game that they're in. This is this Magic team is just that weird. Um, I can't quite put my finger on who this team is yet, and that's part of the problem. But you know, we saw them Friday night against Houston Rockets play a very very strong game. We saw them you know step up against the Spurs. We've seen them bounce back from seemingly crushing losses before. They got crushed in it by Atlanta. They got crushed, you know, by whoever and they come back and play strong games. That's part of who they are as a team. This is a game that they're going to have to be sharp. They're going to have to be focused and hopefully after a day off in LA on Monday and a practice day on Tuesday they're they're ready to go. The bad news for the Magic though is Serge Ibaka is questionable according to Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinels out in LA. Uh, Serge Ibaka is questionable with a shoulder injury. Uh, if you remember in Sunday's game, he went up for a block, I believe it was, and came down kind of hard on his shoulder. He was rubbing it, and, and it looked like he had to co- go out, but he, he played through it to the end of the game. He's questionable because of that injury, and Alfred Payton uh, appears also to be questionable uh, for the game as well. So the Magic not being at full strength, especially, I think, being without Ibaka, uh, is going to be a, a big problem against this team specifically because the Magic are going to need all hands on deck. Tip-off is at 10.30 Eastern time uh, over on Fox Sports Florida. If you're going to watch, uh, remember, use the hashtag Magic After Dark for all the snarky, fun tweets that we do when the Magic are on the West Coast. Turn the lights real low. Get ready for some West Coast basketball uh, as the Magic travel out West. Okay, on to... Uh, what I think is is probably the big thought right now uh, as we enter trade season, as we enter uh, 
uh, that midpoint of the season, begin to really assess where the Magic are at and, and what they need to do moving forward. And, and this is, I think, this art. This was, I think, perfectly encapsulated in an article on Orlando Magic Daily by uh, the one and only former tank commander Zach Palmer. Uh, the Magic are truly, it feels like, at a crossroads with their rebuild. And perhaps it was more obvious beforehand, and, and, and I don't think they were quite at this much of a turning point. And the decisions the Magic make in the next month and a half are going to affect the franchise for the next probably two or three years at least, possibly even more. Entering this season, you know, we knew what the Magic kind of were. They had four years behind them of a difficult rebuild. They, after trading Dwight Howard, they decided to bottom out, play the draft, try and collect assets through the draft, and build up from there. Build up organically, as as Rob Hennigan described it. Um, They would be patient. They would wait. They would let young players grow, let young players make mistakes, uh, and then eventually they would grow and develop together into a playoff team. It worked in Oklahoma City, but of course, in Oklahoma City, you know, with your three top five picks, you get... Kevin Durant at number two. You get Russell Westbrook. I think he was number four. Um, and James Harden at number three. The Magic, on the other hand, picked up Victor Oladipo at number two, Aaron Gordon at number four, and Mario Hazonia at number five. Not quite the same type of star-studded trio. But the Magic did do a very good job collecting assets and kind of building up a, a, building up a nice collection of talent, if not a kind of functioning team. And the team in four years did improve in their wins every single year of the rebuild. They went from 20 to 23 to 25 to 35. Certainly the, the 23 to 25 year was a, a bit of a disappointment. It did feel like the Magic were a, a little bit behind because they expected more progress that year. They started saying, even that season, I think it was 2014, they started saying, no, it was 2015? No, 2014. They did, even then started saying that season we need to start winning. No, this is 2015. They we need to start winning games and we need to start challenging uh, and competing and playing meaningful games. I think Rob Hennigan even said at, the, at, at that season we expect to be playing meaningful games into March. That didn't happen. The team kind of collapsed. They fell. They fell way off the pace and and they were playing out the string of the season uh, into February. 2015 was supposed to be very different. They hired Scott Skiles. They took a much more aggressive win-now tone. They really, really focused uh, on winning. I mean, you don't hire a coach like Scott Skiles if you're not going to win. Going to win. Uh, and it turned out that that worked. The Magic got to 19-13, and 13, and then the bottom fell out. For, uh, you know, the, the Magic's 2-12 and 12 January essentially took them out of the playoff race, uh, and, and they were done, at least it felt like they were done by February. That was not necessarily the progress the Magic wanted to make. Having said that, if you take out that 25-win year, they were still somewhat on schedule, if not a year behind. 35 wins, a 10-win improvement was still a pretty nice accomplishment, and there was something there that just needed a little push over the edge. It may not have needed much. The Magic disagreed with that assessment and obviously made a big push to add veterans uh, they traded in. They traded in Tobias Harris for cap room in February to, to begin with, uh, and then they made a big push with veterans and free agents uh, and trading Victor Oladipo to the Thunder for Serge Ibaka to push the team over the top and get them into the playoffs. And it was very clear that the goal was 
it felt like very clear the goal was playoffs or bust. That's a nice story, of course. Here we are, nearing the midpoint of the season. The Magic are 16-23. in They are four games out of the playoffs as, as we speak here on, uh, t- on Tuesday night. And it does feel like that the playoff dreams are again slipping away in January. It's it's hard to say, it's hard to determine if this team, this this veteran-laden team, is actually any better than the young team that they were growing last year. Whether those chips that they cashed in, whether the free agent room that free agent space that they created was used properly. And with so much pressure now, and 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 this is something that I brought up that I brought up, and I know the manage, magic management's also brought up on occasion. Five years will be the longest stretch the Magic have been out of the playoffs. They've already gone the longest time in franchise history without an All-Star. And I don't think they'll get one this year. Unless they go on a tear. And so there seems to be a lot of pressure on the Magic to take a step forward. Come hell or high water, they'll take a step forward. They'll, They'll push for the playoffs. And that leaves the Magic with an interesting group of decisions entering this trade deadline and entering this offseason, depending, of course, on on how the rest of this season goes. The Magic, of course, are hunting in the... in the... uh, uh, are hunting in the trade market. They're trying to get better. And it does feel like the Magic are in very much a win-now mode. They're only going to make a move if they... They're only going to make a move if it helps them get to the playoffs, if it helps them become better now. I don't think we'll see the Magic straight cash Serge Ibaka in for trade chips. Or for, for young players or, or for whatever. I don't see the Magic tanking, which is certainly an option for them. I think, I mean, and I'll, I'll reference this article again, uh, the article that Zach wrote. Uh, he laid out three paths for the Magic go down. There's the win-now path, there's the tanking path, and there's the retool around youth path. And each path has its advantages and has its disadvantages. You know, you go the tanking path, you cash everything in for young players, and you just kind of restart. You know, you, you restart the whole puzzle. You say, you know, this draft is loaded. We can get a, a future star. We can get a quality player that can put us over the top in this draft. And it may take us another two years, but at least we're not starting from scratch again. But we have a base that we can build off of uh, and, and get to where we need to be. That's certainly appealing. And with this draft class, it, it does does feel very appealing. The retool on the, the the win now path is probably more what the Magic are looking at. That's taking on maybe some long term salary like a Goran Dragic or even a Brandon Knight or Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay isn't that long term actually. He he'll be he can become a free agent this summer. You take on a little bit of long term salary to keep the ship steady and go for the eight seed, whether this year or next year. You don't cash everything in but you reshuffle the deck and try and see if what you throw against the wall can stick this time. The smarter path, though, is probably to retool around the youth. You think you have something in Aaron Gordon. Or whoever you think you have something in. 
you need to pick a player that is your quote-unquote star or your, your core player and actually build a team around them that accentuates their skills. If there was one big complaint with the Magic Rebuild, and I think it's a fair complaint, is that they collected talent without regard to fit. And maybe in that first, in those first two, two years, maybe even the third year, that's okay. Because you're just trying to fill the cupboard back up. You're trying to rebuild your assets and be, grow a little organically. If you have to cash in a chip, you have to cash in a chip. But the magic never really shifted away from that. When it became time to win, the team didn't fit an identity. They didn't fit with each other necessarily well. It's hard to start Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton together as good as they are in transition and as good as they are working together because the floor just becomes so congested from the lack of spacing of their shooting. It's tough for them to drive when they're on the floor together. And and Frank Vogel's admitted that he's had to split them up more this year because of that fact. You know, a lot of people consider Aaron Gordon a four, and the Magic got Serge Ibaka knowing they would play him at the four, knowing they were going after Bismack Biombo, and that they were converting Gordon to a three. Now, we can argue, we'll argue the Gordon thing in a little bit, but um, that, you know, that that is something you have to consider. And so I think the smartest strategy for the Magic long-term and something they should really think about at this trade deadline is how do we retool this roster to fit the players that we believe most in and will give us a good chance to win down the line? How do we make sure we still have the flexibility to go after the players we want in free agency, in trades, while still being competitive this year. And that's always the big balance for GMs. And it's something that, you know, Rob Hennigan has struggled with, I think. I think he's really struggled to create to to create a team that is both full of assets and works together sensibly, or more sensibly than than the teams we've seen for the Magic so far. These are big issues for the Magic, and there's definitely a few different ways they can go as they prepare to, to, to look at their trade deadline options. But one thing is very, very clear, and I've talked and I've gone like 11 minutes on this. One thing is very, very, very clear. What happens in the next month and a half, both on the court and in the boardroom? It's going to affect the Magic franchise for the next two or three years. And if they get this wrong, and this is probably partially why, you know, there should be some concern about Frank Vogel trying to save his job because he's thinking only about this year and not the long term of this team. If they get this wrong, you know, I I've, I probably railed against Brandon Knight too much, but... Brandon Knight's got, I think, three years left with $13, 14 $15 million per. If you get stuck, say, with a bad contract like that, or, or, or you, you commit to a, a long-term contract like that that is very difficult to move, and it doesn't work, then you're stuck playing the lottery again, and not by choice. And you don't have the ability to grow forward. 
and you don't maybe have the ceiling that you would like to have, which is, of course, eventually to win a championship. So watch these next few weeks, watch these next this next month, and we'll see what comes of the magic and what comes of these decisions they'll be making and thinking about how it will affect the team moving forward. One guy, though, that I think will be a very big part of this team's future in some capacity is Aaron Gordon. If there's one player, and I usually do this closer to the trade deadline, um, I'll do a trade value column very similar to what Bill Simmons does, uh, focused on the magic, of course. Um, If there's one guy that I think is very much a part of this team's future, and I would be very, 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 very hesitant to trade, is Aaron Gordon. I'm not saying Aaron Gordon is going to become a superstar. I'm not saying that I think Aaron Gordon is a future all-star. Which, I mean, I think he still has that potential. I don't think he's... um, I don't think he's quite there yet. He's got a long, long way to go. Remember, he's only 21 years old. But in this fourth year in the league, in this third year in the league, given a more defined role as a small forward, I mean, whether that's the right role for him or not is another issue. But this more defined role, I think, has helped him tremendously. Gordon is starting to show a lot more comfort, and he's starting to really develop. And most importantly for me, he has developed a pure, a, a clear niche in this league that will make him a starter caliber player for the rest of his career, or for at least the foreseeable future in his career. What Aaron Gordon did Friday night against the Houston Rockets was one of the greatest, Was it was one of his best performances as a pro for sure. And it was one of the best defensive performances I've seen from a Magic player in a very, very long time. Gordon helped shut down, not shut down, but slow the MVP candidate James Harden, the triple-double machine James Harden. He shot really poorly from the floor. He did have double-digit assists, but Gordon was extremely disciplined with his hands. You could you could tell from the moment he stepped on that floor, he was not going to reach on Harden and give up free throws. And, and they only gave up six free throws to James Harden, which is extremely good. Gordon stayed in front of him. He stayed active. He was physical without fouling. He, he one time even ripped the ball straight out of James Harden's hands. And, and Harden has one of the, some of the strongest hands in the league. This was a, per, a performance of a defensive savant. And I do think Aaron Gordon has all defensive, you know, not if not first team, certainly second team in his future. That is an NBA, that is an elite NBA skill. When, when the Magic acquired Serge Ibaka, I said, it's been a long time since the Magic had someone who was elite at something in the NBA. And Serge Ibaka was an elite stretch four defender. It still kind of is, in fact. Aaron Gordon, though, has taken a leap defensively. And for that reason, I think he is certainly still counted among the Magic's future. He is still counted as probably the most important player to develop on this team because he's beginning to realize all that untapped potential. Aaron Gordon's whole NBA career has been about potential. It's been about, uh, it's literally been about uh, 
this guy is a crazy athlete, and so many crazy athletes have struggled to make it in the NBA. But this guy is a crazy athlete. He's got some clear basketball skills. He he came into the league saying, I want to be defensive player of the year. What, what, what 18-year-old kid says that? And he's quickly catching on offensively too. He said after Friday's game that he's starting to really feel comfortable for the first time as a small forward, and, and also he started to say, he said he was starting to feel really comfortable um, recovering from the ankle injury that sidelined him for the first month of training camp, for the first month of the preseason. With Gordon finally healthy, we're beginning to see what Aaron Gordon can actually look like. And, you know, the headline to my article after Friday's game was Aaron Gordon is the team's future and quickly becoming its present. And games like Friday night show exactly why. He's had two 30-point games in the last three weeks now, including one against the Clippers, the team that he'll be playing uh, on Wednesday. And he's starting to get a little bit more consistent scoring-wise. He had his first four-game streak with 10 points or more. That sounds very, very small, and, and certainly it is, and certainly we continue to expect more from Aaron Gordon um, but those were all really good games. I mean, against Indiana, he struggled a little bit offensively, but 13.6 rebounds is, is fine from him. He had 22 uh, and six and six assists even against the Knicks. He had 18 points, seven assists, six rebounds against the Rockets, 15 points, 10 rebounds, six for 11 shooting against the Hawks. Those are really solid games from Aaron Gordon. And those are the kind of stat lines that we expect right now from him. Somewhere around 15 points per game can be a little bit less. Somewhere around five or six rebounds per game. And if he can get four or five assists per game, that's a really versatile player. Again, I'm not saying he's a star. I'm not saying I expect him to develop into a superstar quite yet. Maybe that's maybe that takes another summer of learning and developing and saying, okay, I have played small forward for an entire year. Now I know what that's like and I know what I have to work on and he works on that over the summer and gets better. He's clearly getting better as this season goes on. Of course, the problem with Aaron Gordon is the consistency issue. Is like the Magic themselves, he's due for a dud where he just can't get the ball to go in the basket, forcing forcing action a little bit too much, um, and, and that hurts him. Sunday against the Lakers, 0 for 5 from the floor, 0 for 4 from beyond the arc, 2 points, 6 rebounds. In that game, he was certainly over-dribbling and trying to attack too much. In that game, he was certainly taking some bad shots and trying to isolate. Gordon is still most successful when he's able to get out in transition, when he's able to uh, get near the get near the basket, um, slash off cuts, grab offensive rebounds, uh, and then hit a spot and then hit a spot up three or two. That's still where Gordon is most comfortable. The off the dribble stuff is going to probably have to take another summer to, to arrive. Regardless of any of this, Gordon is still the Magic's best hope for a star on this team. He's got the talent to do there to do that. He's just got to put the skills with it. And whether he will or not is certainly up a matter for debate. You know, maybe the Magic shouldn't bank on that and find someone else, find someone else to anchor their team. But even if they do go find that other person to anchor their team, I do believe Gordon should be a key fixture of the Magic's future. He's got an elite skill, and it's only going to get better as he gets more experienced, uh, as he gets more comfortable. You know, all the small four talk, I think you play him at the three, 
because he's too valuable to lose on the perimeter because his elite skill, what makes him an NBA player, what makes him an NBA starter is his ability to defend the perimeter. And as his three-point game grows, which I I really do think his three-point game has grown a lot this year. The numbers may not reflect it, but he's shooting more confidently. He's shooting the ball more. Um, he's comfortable taking that shot. It's just got It's about repetition and making it consistent. Um, if he gets there, he he's going to be a really special player. He's going to take that take that leap that everyone's waiting for him to take. Of course, you can't wait too long. Next year will be a contract year for Gordon. Wouldn't surprise me if the Magic try and wrap him up with a cheaper extension this summer. But that's 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 an issue for the summer. But right now, I, I am. Very high on Aaron Gordon. Uh, I think he is doing everything the Magic are asking him to do. He's playing within himself a lot better. As, as Vogel said after Friday's game, he's, play, he's playing within himself and not forcing things until Sunday. I think that was absolutely true. Um, and he's continuing to take those steps forward that the Magic need him to take. And, and so I think Gordon is quickly becoming the team's future, quickly becoming an asset that the Magic can't let go of uh, unless it's for a very steep price. Maybe not the steepest price, but a steep price nonetheless. Um, and he's going to be the player that to get anything big done, teams are going to ask for. And the Magic are going to have to make some tough decisions with him. Uh, I, I think I think he has a very bright future in this league. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick by him. He's, he's definitely one of, the, one, of the, one of the players that I absolutely stick by on this team as part of this team's future. Um, and like I said, that, that future does look a little, little, little um, iffy right now. I want to thank everyone again for listening to the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, I've been I've been personally so so impressed and so thankful um, and grateful for all the listens we get on the Locked On Magic podcast. I think we're you know we're breaking records it seems every single episode. So I appreciate everyone for listening to the podcast, getting the word out about the podcast too, whether it's on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. All those places that you download that our, our podcast is available. Um, it's it's really awesome to, to see everyone loving the podcast, uh, and 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 hopefully uh, I'm doing a good job by you guys. Um, I, I certainly do appreciate all the all the positive comments uh, that that I get, uh, whether it's on Orlando Magic Daily or on the podcast uh, on the podcast. Um, That'll do it for today's episode. You can always follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. You can also follow us on Facebook. Give us a like there at Locked On Magic as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Omagic Daily. I'll be tweeting during the game uh, tomorrow night, uh, late game. I may not record the podcast till the morning though. So if you like to listen to the podcast on your morning commute, I will apologize in advance um, if we don't get a podcast out to you uh, early on on Thursday. But tomorrow, we'll re- well, tomorrow when, when I record the podcast, we'll do a complete recap of the game against the LA Clippers uh, from Wednesday night, and we'll also discuss another fun topic about the Orlando Magic. Always plenty to discuss as the season continues to wind its way to its midpoint. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, thank you all for listening. This has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. 
There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.